Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, my dear friends, fans, colleagues, no matter where you are and when you're listening, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And, oh, you know, uh, that music you were listening to was from Zingaya, Zingaya, and uh, that cut is called The Breath of Passion. They're a group out of Las Vegas, and uh, they have such great stuff. I don't know. I'm thinking about making that my... um, you know, my official opening music, I just always get this visual of sitting on the back of a camel, walking through the desert as the camel just kind of lopes along, kind of in this meditative place, you know, with a scarf around my head and, oh, I don't know, the a cool breeze, not a hot breeze, a cool breeze on my cheeks. I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm losing myself here, but I just love that cut um, by Zingaya. Anyway, um, thank you, thank you for coming back, dear listeners. Um, I sure appreciate your listener loyalty. And uh, if you don't know, you can find us lots of ways. You can go directly to Voices of the Sacred Feminine on Blog Talk. You can uh, find the shows on my website, KarenTate.net. You can go to my Facebook page, Karen Tate Author, not just Karen Tate, but Karen Tate Author, and uh, all my uh, events and podcasts and classes and everything are right there at Karen Tate Author. So, um, oh, and so you'll know uh, we are also on all the usual places, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple. So, um, you know, we're out there with the big boys, um, even though we were around when this was still called Internet Radio and before people actually coined the phrase podcast. So uh, if you go to Voices of the Sacred Feminine on Blog Talk, you will find uh, probably about 13 years of incredible interviews, and I'd say 99.9% of them are still relevant today because, you know, we have been talking about manifesting a new normal, which we can all benefit from. And if you're new to the show, I'm Karen Tate, uh, your host, and uh, my guests and I discuss an assortment of things. Um, As I think back, it was all the things my mom said never discuss at the dinner table, uh, never discuss because uh, nice girls didn't talk about these things. Uh, Yeah, it's about power, gender, religion, politics, sex, uh, metaphysics. And, uh, you know, today I guess it's hmm, maybe metaphysics, uh, maybe it's uh, spirituality. It depends on how you look at these things, I guess. We're going to be talking about astrology and feng shui and how it can help you achieve your dreams uh, with uh, Diane Lawson. And uh, Diane's been an astrologer for 50 years. Uh, She's taught numerous classes, been on countless podcasts and radio shows, written more than 100 astrology articles for magazines. Her book, Extraordinary Relationships Through Astrology, has helped people navigate through their relationships. Uh, She's used astrology to help thousands of people from all around the world create the lives they want. So, Diane, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. I probably shouldn't be opening with this, but I have to ask you, Karen, have you ever ridden on a camel before? 
I sure have. And you liked it? <laughs> you liked it? Well, I will I will uh, be honest and tell you that it was a it was a short trip. <laughs> um, I, I was in I was in Petra, Jordan, on one of our sacred tours, and uh, finally got up the nerve to get on the camel. And you know, and I honestly don't remember it to be a bad experience. I think it depends on what you're sitting on on their back. You know, if it's like a comfortable cushy seat. You know, it's kind of like a bike. You know how some seats are just horrible and grind into your lady parts, but then there's some seats who are that are cushy. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't remember it being bad, but maybe I was just too enthralled in the moment. I don't know why. Well, I I rode on that camel uh, around the pyramids in Egypt, and there are a lot of pyramids. People think there are three. Well, there are a lot more than three, and there are other temples. And the the right. issue was not so much the riding. The issue was every time we stopped to see a new pyramid or a new temple, the camel would throw itself down on its knees and then on its back. And then every single time it threw itself on, on its knees, I really thought I was going to literally die and be thrown head over heels onto the desert floor. <laughs> and I finally ended up riding back on um, the guide's horse. He did ride the camel. <laughs> and so you know, when you I'm... were talking about this wonderful fantasy of riding a camel, I was in the background trying to suppress a laugh and hoping my laughter wasn't coming in on top of you because I that was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> well, you know, the key word there was fantasy because remember I said I was going across the desert with a cool breeze on my face. <laughs> over in Iran or Iraq a few weeks ago was 140. Um, I mean, I don't know how people live because I don't know. I don't think all of those people even have air conditioning, but I don't know. Maybe they're they're used to it. I I don't know. Or they sit all day with their feet in water. I don't know. I don't know. But, but, you know, you brought up something interesting. I don't remember getting on or off the camel. So maybe my mind blotted that out of my brain. (laughs) Well, you probably only had to get on and off at once. And maybe you got on and off from a platform. You know, we did not. We were out in the middle of the desert getting on and off just onto the desert floor. And it's not easy. I'm going to have to ask my husband if he remembers, because <laughs> uh, yeah, that part is totally missing from my memory. Uh, maybe good reason. <laughs> maybe. But anyway, well, anyway, welcome, welcome to the show, and um, yeah, so much for us to talk about. And uh, you know, you really intrigued me uh, when you sent some suggestions for um, you know how this could be a fresh show talking about such an old subject like astrology and and feng shui uh, because it's been around like you know for thousands of years right 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 so some people think a hundred thousand years but it's been around for a long time oh wow yeah well that's even longer than than i thought Uh, but you said what is real astrology was real the key word yeah real real is an important 
important part of that. Um, a lot of people know about their signs. You know, you go to your go to a bar. What sign are you? That kind of thing. Um, people know that that there are twelve signs of the zodiac. But the the thing I want to get across more than anything else is that astrology is incredibly complex and complicated, and it entails a lot more than just the twelve signs. Um, we use the sun and and the moon and all the planets except Earth. I still use Pluto. I think a lot of people have heard that poor Pluto was downgraded to a dwarf planet and he's no longer considered a planet by the astronomers. But he's still out there and he's still extremely powerful. And I, we use him, we use a whole lot of other things. And it's just really, I, I mean, I could talk about you know, all the complexity for a long period of time. But what we usually do when we start with um, a client is we do their birth chart, which is a map of the heavens at the, the time, the date, and the place of birth. And everyone's birth chart is unique. It's one of a kind. You know, they're one, they will never be replicated. Their birth chart will never be replicated. And the birth chart gives information on how to get through life. It tells us our life purpose, our life path. It talks about talents, abilities, our needs, relationships, health. It just gives us a little information about everything. It's, I see it as kind of guideposts to get through life. Like the heavens are willing to help us, you know. <laughs> um, and and that's one thing that most people start with. However. We can also talk about forecast for people. And and we talk about what the stars are doing, you know, what the what the planets are doing in the sky and they're in constant motion. And so we look at them on how they're af- affecting the individual's birth chart because it doesn't matter what they're doing up in the sky if they don't have effect on your birth chart because you know a planet might be in one position but it's going to be affecting everybody differently because people have different birth charts so can i interrupt you and ask you a question so sure uh, does that does that mean when you know an eclipse is coming or something like that or um and they say oh expect this that and the other to happen that that's just a gross generality it really might not affect you that way at all because i've never found that they have affected me the way the media you know was out there writing Uh about it i don't think Mm-hmm. They are generalizations. Um, they do have a general effect on everyone. It's kind of like in um, when it's noon where I'm at, people tend to eat lunch, but not everybody does. Um, or when it's nighttime, people here tend to go to sleep but not everybody does it's just kind of a gross it is a gross generalization and okay and um the world as a whole may generally have you know an impact on that but some i always look at eclipses when i do forecasts for people to see how each individual eclipse is affecting that person's birth chart 
Yeah. So when I do yearly for I usually do yearly forecast because it's it's kind of nice to have a year ahead to know what's coming up so you can plan for it. I always look at where the planets are going to be actually up in the sky, and then I look at eclipses, and then I look at something that is called secondary progressions. Um, secondary progressions are also called day for a year and progressions. And what that means is if you're 41 years old, um, we look at where the planets were 41 days after your birth. So the day after your birth corresponds with that many years after your birth. And I didn't used to tell people that I was using progressions. I just, you know, kind of explained to them what was going to be coming in the next 12 months. But it dawned on me that um, secondary progressions really give another level of insight into how in the heck the world really works. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back up and say, you know, as an astrologer, I think the larger heavens mirror the smaller us. I don't think they cause us to do anything. But there is a connection. You can you can look at the sky and you can tell a lot about what's going on. Um, you know, on in a, on an individual, but it, mm-hmm. I don't think the planets cause it. But th- that has to do with uh, big and little in terms of space. You know, we'll be talking uh, about feng shui. I think maybe later, uh, feng shui um, is looking at the larger home and how it affects the smaller us. And so that's another correspondence and connection between big and little in terms of space. Okay? Are you am I you following me? Uh, sort of kind of, you know, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know enough about it to uh go, "Oh yeah, yeah, connect the dots." But um, you know, so kind of spoon feed us as if you're talking to uh kindergartners and not, you know, um okay. astrologers. Okay. Um, okay. But you know, what are what are some things you've used astrology for? Well, well, let me let me finish explaining about the progressions. Okay. Then. Okay. Uh, astrology talks about that the larger heavens have a connection to the smaller us. They don't say that we there's cause and effect, but there is a correlation, a connection, and and in the secondary progressions it shows that there is a correlation between big and little in terms of time. And so what this meant to me is that we're connected to the whole universe throughout time and space and in all kinds of ways we can't imagine and we can't see. And it makes me feel really good that there's this big connection that we're all kind of part of something larger than us. And I think that's pretty profound. I really like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 that does. That does. I mean, it's like the cosmic web uh, that more and more of us are talking about, you know, and, you know, more and more of us are talking about, uh, you know, frequency and vibration and dimensions and ascension and all of that sort of stuff. I think it all sort of ties together. Right, right, absolutely, right, yeah. So, 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 what are some of the um, some of the things that you have used astrology for that you know that actually works? Well, I use 
use it a lot. I probably should use it a lot more than I have been because, but you know, I live my life. But when I have big things coming up, like major passport trips, um, I time them. I look and see what is going on in my chart and pick good times because it's often stressful enough, you know, to take overseas trips and um, without the help of astrology, so, you know, um, right. with the help of astrology. So I use it for, for that a lot. Um, you know, if I'm just going to neighboring towns, I usually don't pay attention. Um, and and then I also use it for uh, writing. Um, you mentioned that I've written um, a lot for astrology magazines, but I've written for many, many different kinds of magazines and newspapers. And if I'm submitting something to a new editor or a new publisher, I will sure as heck do it on an astrologically good time. And hmm. I can remember, um, I've been writing for magazines since 1980, I think. And I can remember in the early 80s, um, I thought, well, I'm going to test this theory out. And I sent, sent stuff out to like 19 editors and didn't sell one. One I didn't do any, you know, I did, most people didn't respond back to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm really going to be paying attention. And um, it, because usually, you know, I'm really good at pitching to the person who it would be interested in what I have to sell. And so that mm-hmm. was just startling. It was such a startling thing that I have been consistently using it for timing of writing. And then I sure as heck timed it on my marriage. Um, in fact, I timed the time I wanted to get married within a four-minute period of time. And it happened to be on January 1st. And, um, you know, of course, it was... It would have been hard to find somebody, you know, on New Year's Day to to marry us. But I happened to have a friend who was an astrologer, and her husband was a judge, and so he was perfectly willing to marry us within this four minute period. And, wow, that's uh, cool. Well, it was very cool. What was cool was that he he got mar- he got finished with his spiel two minutes early, and so he just stopped. <laughs> and stared at his watch for two minutes. And <laughs> two minutes when a ceremony just ends looks is pretty a long period of time. And finally, my mother-in-law couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> and she said something like, what's going on or what's happening? And, and so my husband had a photo opportunity and had people take photos of us. And then the, the judge <laughs> said, I now pronounce you husband and wife, and then he was concerned that he was four seconds too late. And I said, oh, no, no. (laughs) But I picked the kind of chart that I wanted for us, you know, and and that chart may not have fit for everybody, but it sure fit us, you know, it fit what we wanted in a marriage. And we've been really happily married for 28 years, and I think a lot of it is because that wedding chart helped us 
know, yeah, I was so. about to ask you how many years. Well, you know, yeah. they always say, and you can correct me because, you know, I, this is not my business, it's your business. Um, I, you know, I've heard a lot of times that uh, Ronald Reagan was so Teflon uh, because Nancy had a great astrologer that would help them plan when they did things, you know, when they went on trips, when they tried to pass bills, you know, when they did things political. Um, do you have any sense of that, if um, there was, uh, you know, anything to it? I know there was something to it because one of his astrologers, Joan Quigley, wrote a book about it. And so she wrote, you know, she wrote um important things that he did, and the timing. So I could go and look up those days and those times and think, wow, she was a good astrologer. She really picked good times. And I'm, I am positively, con- I am convinced that he used Joan Quigley because the timing in her books was so good that it couldn't have been happenstance. And I, I also think, and I'm hoping my memory is right, one of his elections, and it might have been when he was governor of California, might have been at something like 12.08 a.m., something really weird, something non-traditional. And so I remember going and looking that kind of weird time up and think, oh, no wonder she did that. That was really a good time. Yeah, she was really a good astrologer. I think that helped him a lot. Well, you know, I think most people don't really understand how it works, and they don't really understand the jargon. You know, they just want to get to the divination part of it, you know, what's going to kind of Mm -hmm. help them moving forward. I mean, I know I've had these – I mean, I've had my natal chart done, uh, and I will occasionally pay for these – uh, uh, I guess you call them readings, forecasts, forecasts for the mm-hmm. coming year. But then, you know, you get it, and um, I don't know, I never can make a whole lot of sense out of it. You know, it um, I, I can't relate it to what's really going to happen to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm wondering if your time is right. First of all, uh, do you remember off the top of your head, what time of birth you think you had? Yeah, I took it off my birth certificate, unless that was inaccurate. Well, it should have been accurate. The reason why I ask is a lot of people come to me and they say they were born at 11 o'clock or 11.15 or 11.30. And Mm -hmm. sometimes just, you know, a minute will make a big difference. Right, um, right. So... Some of it could be that. Some of it you just maybe didn't talk to a really good astrologer or a really good program. Um, and so, and some of it may have been in astrology jargon. I try really hard when I do people's charts to first find out how much they know about astrology. And so that if they don't know much about it, I try really hard not to use jargon or to really explain yeah. the jargon because... It, it's not meaningful to someone if, you know, if I say, oh, you moon's trying Mars, isn't that wonderful? And they don't have a clue what that means or what to do with it. So I, and I also try to make it really useful yeah. so that it's yeah. usable, something that will help them now. 
Right, right, right. Well, um, you know, anybody listening to astrology today, I'm sure, is probably the most interested in forecasts. So um, why don't we talk about forecasts a little bit? Then uh, when we're done, we'll go to um, our commercial break, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about Feng Shui. Okay, great. Okay. There, there's always a lot going on in the sky because the planets are in con- constant motion. But there are two things that are, I think are really important going on in 2023. And one of them, I think, relates to your book. And you may wanna, we may briefly want to talk about that. But the first thing is Saturn um, is in Pisces. It entered Pisces March the 7th of 2023. And it's going to remain there um, until May 24th, 2025, and then it's going to go back into Aquarius. But the bottom line is it's going to be there. It's Its effect is going to be there from March of 2023 through August the 31st of 2025. Um, okay. So that's... Um, I don't think I told you right. It's going to be okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm giving you a lot more information than you need. It's, the its effect is going to be in March of 2023 through February the 13th of 2026, and this is like a big deal because it's going to be there, you know, for two and a half years. And um, Pisces what, is a planet. I'm sorry, what? Okay. But yeah. how do, what Saturn, does that actually mean in real life? This is what it means. Saturn corresponds with rules, responsibility, discipline, realism, karma, lessons to be learned. And um, I wrote um, when Saturn entered Pisces that Saturn and Pisces wax people who need to be whacked. It teaches us what we need to learn. Pisces can be wonderful. You know, I've got I've got a, a wonderful granddaughter who's a Pisces. I am not trashing the sign Pisces. Pisces has some really nice spiritual loving things about it. However, it can be um, lying. It can be hiding. It um, can be, you know, non-real. When Saturn's in Pisces, People don't get away with anything. Um, And so this is going to be really, really true of, um, you know, people in the media, especially politicians. You know, people are no longer getting away with what they've been getting away with. Well, that's good um, to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no I mean, and I automatically think of, think about uh, Trump and all the trials, and we know even if he's found guilty, there's going to be appeals, and and I don't honestly think all of the indictments uh, have come down yet. So um, maybe that gives some of us who care about the rule of law and accountability some hope. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is when you're book comes into play because I think it's the perfect opportunity for you to be bringing into, you know, public awareness abuse. People are no longer going to be getting away with it as much as they have in the past. And, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying this either, but um, today a judge said that Trump defamed 
E. Jean Carroll again, and it is so factual that he decided it doesn't even need to go to trial. It's just going to need to be, um, um, jurors are going to have to just, I mean, the factuality doesn't need to go to trial, but the damages to be awarded are going to go. So it's like, you know, he thought he could get away with defaming her again, but the judge said, no, you know, this is factual. You can't get away with lying anymore. This is factual, and it's been decided, and now damage is going to be. And, you know, this works on both sides of the political spectrum. People are, you know, people are saying all kinds of things about it every side of the aisle, you know, everything. And but and it's not going to be 100%, but people are going to be held accountable now where they have kind of not been in the past. And so I think that's really, really good news. Well, and I think there's another example of that, um, Diane, uh, because I think last week, uh, there was an article about one of the other DAs, uh, Letitia James. She was going before a judge about um, the fraud that uh, Trump, the Trump Organization, um, was charged with um, inflating their assets so that they could get big loans, but then devaluing their assets with the IRS so they didn't have to pay taxes. And she uh, she's before a judge, and I don't think it's been decided yet, but it was the same sort of thing. There's such a mountain of evidence. She's saying, Judge, will you just make the decision? You know that they mm-hmm. don't even need to have it because, and and I think a lot of it was they didn't even dispute it uh, because you know the evidence is right there in black and white. You know, right? So, right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I don't. I guess I just wonder if um, I, I would like to. I, I mean, I thought when the Dominion lawsuit came down, that um, it would cause Fox News to sort of shift gears and stop perpetuating lies that really hurt democracy in the country. Um, I, I know you're, you know, you're not a medium, but uh, you know that would be something I'd really be interested in if somehow. You know the the media that lies, well, whoever it is, you know, um, you know that suddenly they'll be held accountable. And you know what? You're making me think about Tucker Carlson losing his job. Um, right. You know, that was during this time period. You know, that was some uh, accountability there. Yeah, I was thinking of Tucker too. This isn't, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent across the board. But you can already see that things that have been somehow just being glossed over are now being brought to light and held people are being held accountable. And that's gonna be lasting throughout this period. Things are gonna be shifting and um yeah. stuff that's been hidden is no longer going to be hidden anymore. It's gonna be brought to light and people are going to be held accountable for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I know uh, I I don't really have a problem staying on the Trump topic a little bit. And look, and this isn't to say, but I I don't think there I don't think there is an equivalency in terms of both the Democrats and the Republicans being equally bad. I think that is a false equivalency. But because, look, I know how Bernie Sanders suffered at the hands of Democrats. So I know they're not angels. But when I think about 
you know, everything that's going on and we're, you know, uh, voting rights, women's rights, losing democracy, all of that. There's no comparison between the two. But, um, you know, what I, what I do wonder is, um, you know, moving forward, um, I, I don't know, I just hope the election is this overwhelming um, wave that says, you know, the country wants democracy and it's the end of the GOP. You know, I, I, I would love if you did a reading on the future of the Republican Party, uh, you know, to see if they survive, you know. Well, yeah. Well, another thing, and I know we're going to have to quit pretty soon, but the, the, the second thing that's a really big deal is Pluto um, is going to be in Aquarius until 2043, and the last time this happened was in, around, you know, around the time of the American and um, the French revolutions, and it's like freedom to the people, power to the people, you know, transformation, healing, humanitarianism, and so things are going to be getting really different. And you know, there were revolutions. I mean. Um, back then, and there may be again now, but people are getting tired, and you know, between now and 2043, um, people are going to have a, a lot more power than they do right now. Well, that's certainly reassuring, you know. Um, yeah, definitely, because it uh, just feels like the inequities are too much to bear. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's got to end. But, you know, you wonder, okay, so it, so it crumbles, but then what, what takes its place? And it sounds like you're saying, um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be more of a thing, you know, a, a situation where uh, the people benefit, that kind of that idea of, you know, the arc of history, uh, you know, is is justice, it's progress, it's evolution, as opposed to dragging us back to the 50s or the 1800s. Right, right. I think I think it's going to be as dramatic as the American Revolution was, where we were not beholden to somebody who was more powerful than us. We we had more freedom. And that's the same kind of thing that's going to be happening in America. I think it's going to be happening around the world uh, between now and 2043. I think it's going to get much better. And, of course, I thought of big corporations who are just ruling everything. You know, I think somehow they're going to be losing a lot of their power. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, you you think about. Uh, I mean, people are tired of the billionaire class, you know. And uh, I don't know. I give a lot of credit to Bernie Sanders for cracking that nut open, uh, because you know, when he came around saying fifteen dollar minimum wage, people went, "Ha, huh, yeah, sure, right." And now, um, I mean, where I am, you know, you look at uh, you know signs on Taco Bell. Um, uh, Burger King, uh, McDonald's, and they're offering $18 an hour starting pay, you know. And um, so, yeah, I mean, things, uh, I guess things can, it feels like change is slow. Um, and it and it is sometimes seems too slow. But, um, wow, it would just be incredible to see this in the next 20 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think, well, I maybe, think we will see it. Well, in global warming, too, you know, I mean, maybe people wake up to the fact that the oil companies have been financing all of this disinformation and, you know, there's, uh, you know, it's undeniable the planet's climate is changing and uh, maybe that 
you know, lend some credibility to, you know, being woke is not such a bad thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- um, I think well, things are changing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, before we break for commercial, were there any other, um, you know, any other astrology forecasts you think uh, in general would, um, you know, be uplifting? Well, I think those are two wonderful, wonderful. And to to make it a little more personal, um, I, I you know, Saturn teaches us what we need to learn. And so I think all of us... Um, are going to be learning things we need to learn um, and helping us structure our lives so that we can reach our goals. Um, It's going to help us control our time. And, boy, (laughs) I really need that. You know, help us end procrastination and help us use our time better and help us learn not to lie and not to keep hidden things from ourselves or about ourselves. And, um, yeah. see, that's, you know, a perfect time for your book. And you might want to talk about that one when we come back about what your book's about, because I, I just think the timing couldn't be better. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that, uh, uh, when we get back. And, um, Okay. All right. So uh, if you're hearing that beep, uh, please just uh, ignore it. It's uh, nothing to be concerned about. (laughs) Um, So um, so anyway, we're going to take a break here, and we're going to hear from uh, Jo Corson. Uh, She's uh, been a supporter of the show forever. She's got these two great books out called Celebrate Wildness and uh, Dancing with Gaia. And um, and just a sh- sort of shout out to my audience, if uh, you're interested in uh, having any commercials here on the show, it's very affordable, so please do get in touch. And also, if you uh, have any show ideas uh, or interview ideas or people you would like to hear me talk to, maybe you'd like to even send in your own questions, uh, you can do that. You know, we're that personal uh, here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. So uh, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to hear from Joe Carson and um, Dancing with Gaia. Hello. Let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful, and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast, and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage, 
It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. tell you I've seen this film and uh, in the book Dancing with Gaia, uh, Joe Carson's uh, feature-length documentary uh, in the book that accompanies it. Uh, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, the return of goddesses Gaia. Uh, she traveled to ancient sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot the film, uh, spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey, and um, you know, ones that profoundly affected uh, affected the origins of, of Western culture, you could say. So if you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, um, maybe you know, you're more of an armchair traveler, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best sites and get their story. And the DVD uh, comes packaged with that uh, book, and uh, which goes even deeper into the material. And um, believe it or not, the DVD and book are only $9.95 at dancingwithgaia.com. That is a great deal for your library. And also I want to remind you about the Divine Feminine app. Um, when I came back off hiatus and discovered the Divine Feminine app and actually started using it, I have to say I was gobsmacked at um, all the incredible uh, sacred feminine, divine feminine oriented stuff happening out there. It's like I just sort of woke up into a new world. Um, you know, the idea of the feminine had risen so much. Um, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was elated, obviously, and I was really surprised at the, the diversity out there and the, the breadth of all the uh, events, whether it be conferences or retreats or rituals or um, whatever it was. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. And you can find out all of that by looking at the Divine Feminine app, which is free, uh, or you can spend a little bit of money and actually have your event uh, posted on there for uh, locals to see. Um, and you can also... Uh, find out about virtual events that are happening all around the world, whether it be retreats, tours, conferences. So, yeah, check that out too, Divine Feminine App. I don't think you'd be disappointed um, with either of these, um, you know, these uh, things we're talking about today, either the Dancing with Gaia or the Divine Feminine App. So if you tuned in late, um, I'm talking to Diane Lawson, and our topic is uh, real astrology and uh, and pretty soon we're going to start talking about uh, Feng Shui. And uh, so, Diane, you know, I can't resist the opportunity to chat about my new book, Normalizing Abuse. You said you thought um, I should mention something about it. Do you see something good uh, astrologically happening for my book? <laughs> well, I think, I think the fact that your book is about helping people with something that has been hidden and it is being more uncovered. Either they're recognizing it or remembering it themselves and not hiding it from themselves or 
I mean, we we as a society have not been um, dealing with it much. I mean, women used to be able to be beaten up, and kids used to be able to be beaten up, and 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 now you know, law enforcement will intervene, and that did not used to be the case. And, yeah. Um, and so things are changing, and your book is is coming up when people uh, need to. Um, you know, need to look at it and um, yeah. deal with it. Yeah, take so the, the timing take is the really good astrologically. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, good. That's, um, you know, that's heartening. And um, and I know some people have thought the book is just about women's, you know, abuse to women or domestic violence, and it's not. You know, it's really a big umbrella, um, you know, uh, kind of teasing us to, you know, uncover abuse and, you know, academia, religion, government, the media, um, society and culture, family and friends, um, political parties, the military, you know, all of these different aspects of our lives, you know, things that we've just sort of um, accepted as normal. You know, it's just the way it is. What are we going to do about it? Um, Well, you know what, it is abuse or it is exploitation, and at the very least, we should realize it's abuse and exploitation and not the way a normal society should conduct itself, you know. So, well, um, thank you, Diane. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the book is a sleeper and uh, you'll see me on the bestseller list one day. Well, I hope so. Um, all right, so let's you know let's get into the the real feng shui. Now, am I saying it right? I feel like I'm off a little bit. Is that right, feng shui? It's feng feng shui, like f u n g feng shui. Okay, and so what would you? So what makes it real versus um, I don't know maybe the standard usage. And what's the most important thing you can do with it? Well, I think I think what real feng shui is is um, realizing that people are affected by their surroundings, and their their homes and offices do reflect their inner lives, inner selves. And if you change your surroundings, you can literally change your life. And feng shui, like astrology, is very complicated and complex. However. Um, I think people can make pretty simple changes in their homes, and um, that will be helpful in their lives. I also think people choose their homes and choose what to put into their homes and where to place them that mirrors who they are inside. I can walk into anybody's home and and tell a heck of a lot about um what's going on in their lives. In fact, I don't even have to be in your home. I can just look outside of your property. I I remember driving up to someone's house. Um, she lived on a corner street, and I was driving up the side and then, you know, turned the corner and parked in front of the house. But her backyard and the backside of her house was so horrible for marriage <laughs> that when I walked up, and um, met her at the door, you know, I didn't stick my hand out and said, hi, I'm Diane. I said, my God, how is your marriage going? And she burst into tears and said, well, my husband wanted a um, divorce this morning. So, Mm. 
you can you can just you can tell a lot. Well, you can tell a lot of walking into somebody's house. You can if you walked into my house and saw thirty bookcases, you'd know that knowledge is really important to me. You could yeah. look at you know all this stuff around my house that I picked up in foreign travels. Oh my gosh, she must like to travel. Um, my desk is pretty uh, disorganized. Well, I'm a procrastinator, you know, and I am not a very good feng shui consultant keeping things decluttered. But you, I mean, or you need an anybody, intern, Diane. You need an intern. That's all. I know, but I have a gardener and I have a cleaning crew. You know, I have no excuse. But anyway, anyway, um, homes can really help. And you know, you know, when I walk home, when I come come into my house after the cleaning crew's here and everything's shiny and everything smells good, it feels better. When I come come home and go into a messy kitchen, it just feels yucky. It saps my energy. I mean, it makes it makes a huge difference, you know, wow, what we do with yeah. our homes. And um, what, what feng shui, I like to describe feng shui as, as kind of like um, remembering what the words feng and shui mean in Chinese. They mean wind and water. And what that means is... Um, I like energy um, to move harmoniously through spaces, like a gentle breeze or like a gentle meandering brook. Not like, you know, doldrums around the equator where ships can't move because everything is stuck and stagnant, you know, or a stinky mm-hmm. old swamp. And... Um, or you know a hurricane, or you know flooding water. I mean, you want it gentle. You want it, you want to be able to just meander around your house. The big thing, the number one thing that I want people to do is to surround themselves with things they love. Um, I think, and there are all these different books, and all these different books say different things. Um, they all say the same things: get rid of clutter. You know, only have items you use, need, and love. Um, every everything is supposed to be orderly, clean, and in good working order. We never get there. You know, I could move into your house and talk to you for the rest of your life, and we'd never get it perfect because things move in, things get moved around, things move out. But you mm-hmm. you work on it. And um, anyway, the the thing that I really like, and I wish I had thought of this, um, Marie Kondo. Um, who had a best-selling book a while back, said we should only surrender ourselves with things that spark joy. And I love that. I love that. I used to tell everybody, you know, get rid of clutter was the most important thing. I think the the most important thing is we should be surrounding ourselves with things that spark joy and make us feel happy and make us feel yeah. good to, to be there. And there, there are all these rules um, but I think I think that's most important, and it helps me to get rid of stuff, you know, especially clothing. Yeah. Does, it, does it spark joy? No. Well, why do I have it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and and you know, and just from a practical standpoint, I mean, I'm a Virgo. I can't help it, um, and not that I followed it, but I knew it. You know, logically, you know, they say if you haven't touched something in a year. 
Um, you probably don't even know you have it, and you certainly don't need it. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that was good advice. I mean, when I had to move, um, I had to purge a lot. I actually had Habitat for Humanity come with a truck. I'm not talking a pickup truck. I'm talking about a paneled truck that you would use to move, and they carried away so much stuff, um, and, uh, and I felt lighter immediately. You know, um, you know, I, I really did, and um, yeah, I, and I do think the clutter is a real is a real thing. It's a hindrance, and I guess that's why when you said you walk into the kitchen, if the kitchen is a mess, um, is 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 there is there a connection there? You know, the you know the the dirty dishes, the clutter um, that adds. I, I mean, are we talking energy? You know, uh, energy flow. Absolutely, absolutely. I think items our energy gets stuck to. And mm-hmm. if nothing else, you know, it's it's my thoughts sure get stuck to. I wish the kitchen was clean. I better go clean the kitchen, you know, or, or I wish my husband would go wash the dishes. You know, but I think things and I think negative things and I, um, you know, about how I don't like that and doesn't feel good, and I better do that, and and um, do I have time to do that? And it's it's an energy drain of my energy, my thought energy, my emotional energy, my physical energy. But I think there's more to that. I think there's universal energy, chi um, involved. We want it. We want we want universal happy energy to be flowing throughout Earth our house. So I think it's all kinds of energy. So um, is there really anything to uh, where your bed should face or your front door or your back door oh. should face? Yeah, yeah. The, I don't think, and there are lots of different schools of feng shui. I don't personally think it makes any difference which way your door faces. I do think it matters where your bed is, and there's so many rules in the bedroom that you there's just no way anybody can ever <laughs> have yeah. all of them but you're supposed to be able if you were lying on your side in the bed to be able to see the door and the theory is and and is so that you don't get um you know uh, if somebody comes in the door you're not um you know unprotected you can see and be aware of um, but you're also not supposed to have the bed in front of the door because that it, the door has energy coming in through the door and it hits the bed and people are more likely to, um, you know, have problems sleeping because the energy is hitting them and you're not supposed to have a ceiling fan over any part of the bed because it might cause health mm, problems or it might cause sleep problems. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when I, I first heard about – go ahead. I was going to say, I do a lot of feng shui consultations um, remotely, and I, when I first heard about that, that other people were doing that, I thought, oh, my God, that doesn't work. But it does work, especially if you have a smartphone and you're walking around the house and you send me you know, a floor plan, especially so I can see the perimeter of your house. But, you know, I can't you know, tell you everything about every object, but I can tell you the basics so that you can keep on keeping on. Or 
if if you're having a major problem in your life, you know, like that woman whose marriage was a problem, you can you can usually fix stuff, you know, fix it so yeah. that it's helpful. And everybody has to die and everybody has to pay taxes. But I know that feng shui really helps people um, improve their lives. Wow. Well, you know, and you're really making me wonder about, uh, you know, we've been so happy since we came to Oregon. Um, we were uh, just south of Bakersfield for a while uh, as, you know, my husband was recovering from a brain injury and me from the stun gun assault. And um, we were so unhappy up there at that house, and but yet we're so happy here in southern Oregon. And it, it would be interesting to compare the two houses, you know, and see if it had something to do with stuff like you're talking about, you know. Um, anyway, you've just made me think about that. Um, and, uh, and I mean, you know, like other people, you know, if, uh, you know, they may be able to think about the same thing. You know, they lived one place and it wasn't the best and someplace else, you know, was just such an improvement. Was, you know, was it feng shui stuff that uh, made the difference that, that they weren't even conscious of is, is, I guess, where I'm going with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there with um you two having health problems there were problems in the center of your house. Like there was a bathroom there or there was clutter there or there was something wrong with the center of your house. There was some kind of yeah. issue going on and there's and that's no longer the case where you are. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the center of our house now is kind of like a circle. Um, It's interesting, you know, because there's like a a wall that you can totally walk around um, to get from one side of the house to the other. You can, you know, when you get to this wall sort of you can either go left to get to the other side of the house or go right. And just from the the perspective of flow i mean you can see where water or air uh you know could energetically flow around that so easily um Mm -hmm. and so i don't know maybe i'm thinking about this wrong but um yeah Yeah, Um, no i think absolutely right (laughs) yeah yeah although i cannot put i cannot place the bed to see the opening of the door it would be totally impossible but you know uh we it it can't be perfect um well diane uh your book uh extraordinary relationships through astrology uh where can people find it they can they can find it i think at any bookseller amazon barnes and noble um on my website and i, w- I want to mention my website um Mm-hmm. It's www.dianelawson.com, and Diane is D-I-A-N-N-E, and then Lawson is L-A-W-S-O-N. And that um, not only can they, they buy my book on my website, but they can see all the services I offer. And they have, I have a blog. I've got a lot of podcast. I think I have a podcast I, uh, that I did on your show on there. I've got podcasts, radio shows, lots of information. And they can sign up for my email list where I send out free information about astrology periodically so they can kind of keep up to date with what's going on with the stars. So um, I'm, I'm hoping people go to my website. There's a lot of information there. They can wander around and, and find out a lot of information about astrology and feng shui. 
Yeah, yeah, it sounds like there's lots of good stuff there. And, uh, you know, we always need a little bit of help, you know, and if we can tweak something uh, and make our life better, then uh, why in the heck not, right? Um, right, so, right. Uh, so DianeLawson.com, and that's Diane with two N's. Uh, she also has a Facebook page, and uh, the name of that page is Astrologer Diane Lawson, Astrologer Diane Lawson. And uh, the book, again, is Extraordinary Relationships Through Astrology. And, um, Diane, I appreciate you coming back on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. It's been a while, but uh, it's wonderful having you back. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. This was fun. Okay. Well, I had fun too, and I'm sure our listeners are going to, um, you know, be uplifted and uh, laugh a lot when they hear at least the camel story, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, have a wonderful week, and um, you know, we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Uh, Well, that about does it for me today. Uh, Friends, fans, colleagues out there, I hope you've uh, enjoyed the show and uh, had fun with us. I know I sure have. Um, and um, please remember, uh, tell your friends about Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, you can go to Blog Talk and uh, actually subscribe uh, for no charge, and you will get a reminder in your inbox uh, every Wednesday uh, telling you what the show is going to be, and you can just click uh, right there in that email, and it will um, enable you to listen uh, either right then uh, or later when the show gets in the archives. Uh, so, um, you know, enjoy yourself, and um, I hope you have a wonderful week, and uh, I think we have a lot of good stuff to look forward to uh, that Diane has uh, made us aware of. So that about does it, and I'm going to end the show as I usually do with an homage to um, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess Sekhmet who um, tries to impress upon women to have healthy boundaries and to say no without guilt. So Sekhmet, take it away. 